All right, today we're continuing our journey through the Gospel of Luke, trying to understand Jesus better and trying to understand how we can follow him better. So if you're going to be following along with your Bible, you can go and open up to Luke chapter 2. But before we get going, I want to share a little personal anecdote or a series of anecdotes. Uh, I have two kids. They're both very small. Our daughter, Judah, is two, and our son, Shay, is... uh, four or five months old. I should probably know exactly. I think it's five, like five and a half months. Uh, whatever. He, he's really small, and uh, you get the point. Um, so Shay especially is at this age where you actually can't do anything, and yet everyone thinks that everything you kind of sort of do is amazing. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You remember that with your kids, or you've seen it in other people's kids. You probably don't remember it for yourself, but you get the point. Uh, and that's just how you how it goes. When you are a baby or when you have babies, people just think it is the biggest deal in the world. They always ask you about it. Uh, they want to touch your baby. Like people will literally come up and they'll say, "Can I touch it?" You know, like it's a like it's a I don't know a piece of china or something like that. Except not china, like a fuzzy, uh, squishy piece of china. And they'll like poke the kid or they'll try to grab it. Um, and of course, there's like babies just create all kinds of like warm fuzzies and even strange behaviors in people. But actually, babies kind of do the opposite thing, too. So when Shay was being born, um, I remember it was pretty funny. Well, uh, I don't guess it was funny because there's nothing really funny about childbirth. But anyway, when Shay was being born, um, since we live in Brooklyn, instead of driving and then trying to find parking and then trying to get into the hospital because that's kind of bad to leave your wife like oh we're gonna sit and look for parking for half an hour near the hospital instead of doing all that we just took a lift so we ordered the lift we get there and i felt really bad for the guy because you could tell he was watching us as we were walking to the car and you could tell it just ran through his mind like no i am not taking this woman in labor to the hospital. This is not what I wanted for today. But anyway, the guy was super professional. It was honestly the best Lyft or Uber ride I've ever had in my life. This guy was zipping through New York City like it was Fast and Furious Maternity Ward edition or something. I mean, he's like updating the GPS every few seconds trying to get a better route. He was amazing. Um, well, why was that? Why, why do people act so weird by squishing and touching and asking you weird questions and uh, making weird noises to a baby. Why do people do that? Why was that Lyft driver so kind and so thoughtful and so just focused on what he was doing? He even turned off the radio. You know, wh- why are, Why do people act like that? Because it's a baby. Babies are a big deal. Which makes Luke chapter 2 all the more surprising and kind of weird. Because when you get to Luke chapter 2, uh, Joseph and Mary show up in the town of Bethlehem. And it's time for them to have their baby, who happens to be literally the biggest deal baby in the history of babies that have ever been born in the human race. And they literally could not squeeze Joseph and Mary into any place at all in all of Bethlehem. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just, maybe people were just really tight. Maybe there just wasn't any space at any body's home or any uh, rest stop type areas. I don't know. Or maybe Bethlehem was just one of the least hospitable spots in all the Palestine Yelp listings. But whatever happened, there was no place for this baby Jesus, the Savior of the world, to be. 
which I think is a really actually important, significant um, narrative statement that Luke is making and that we can observe. There's this paradox. There's this child that's such a huge deal and so world-changing, and yet nobody really recognized how big of a deal he was. I wonder if those people in Bethlehem, if they had been told, uh, hey, this lady right here, her baby is going to be the Messiah who's going to save his people and actually bring light and joy and peace and salvation to the world. Do you think you could squeeze her in? I bet there would be a lot of people jumping at that opportunity in Bethlehem. But they didn't recognize it. They didn't see who Jesus was and what he could mean to their story. What is interesting is that in Luke chapter 2, you've got a, a, a variety of people, a collection of people who did recognize how special Jesus was. For instance, as Jesus was being born, there were some shepherds out in the field and an angel and then a whole host of angels comes to them and tells them about who Jesus is and what he's going to do and guides them, guides the shepherds to Jesus. And if you look in chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, When they, that is the shepherds, saw him, they related what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, everything just as they had been told. In other words, here's some shepherds who have a job, a, a difficult job, an arduous job that they said, let me set this aside for a little bit, and I'm going to go just look at a baby. And they left looking at a baby, glorifying and praising God. They recognized how big of a deal this baby was. There's another character in later on in the chapter named Simeon. Verse 25 says that he was righteous and devout. He was an older man. He was looking for um, the restoration of Israel. Um, and so Simeon, whenever he meets Jesus in verse 28, it says he took Jesus in his arms. No surprise, everybody wants to hold a baby. Simeon does the same. He takes Jesus, the baby, in his arms, and he blesses or praises God, saying, verse 29 of Luke 2, Now, according to your word, sovereign Lord, permit your servant to depart in peace. You're Simeon saying, I'm okay now. I can die in peace because I'm holding this baby. I've seen this baby. Well, Simeon, what difference does this baby make? Surely you've seen lots of babies in the temple in Jerusalem, but why this baby? For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Here again, these are just a couple of poor people, people that were so poor that the text says they couldn't even give the normal offering. They had to give the uh, the poverty exception of two turtle doves. These were nobody people that no one would have ever noticed. Or if they did, they probably wouldn't have thought anything special about them. But Simeon recognized this couple, and more importantly, their child. And he takes the child Jesus in his arms, and he blesses God because he saw that this child is not an ordinary child. He's going to bring light and joy and revelation and salvation into the world. The next character that's presented is a lady named Anna, who was a prophetess who, depending on how you read the text, could have been anywhere from in her mid-80s to even her mid-hundreds. Really, really old lady, right? Now, I want you to think about it. Shepherds, an old guy, old religious guy, and an old religious lady. These are not an all-star team as far as fame and power in the world. They're just regular people, and actually, maybe not even regular people. They're people that could have easily been overlooked, 
But listen to what Anna does in verse 38, whenever she meets Jesus, it says, At that moment she came up to them and began to give thanks to God and to speak about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Do you get the picture? Here she is in the temple. This lady, she's fasting, she's praying, she's a prophetess. She's, you know, like probably like maybe people really respected her or maybe people thought she was a little crazy. But whatever it is, she comes up, she sees the child, and she praises God. And then she turns around and just starts looking for people. And she's like, do you see that baby over there? That baby is the Christ. That's where salvation is going to come from. Hey, come here, come here, come here. That baby's name. His name, get this, Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation. And actually, this isn't just a kid name that he really is going to bring Yahweh's salvation to Israel. And she's going around just telling everybody about this because she recognized that this baby, this child, was a big deal. Whenever you read through Luke chapter 2 and you see all these stories of ordinary, lowly people recognizing the greatness of this child, Jesus, that this baby was a really, really big deal. Uh, There are at least two lessons that we should learn. First off, it was the lowliest of people who really valued Jesus. Now, by the way, later on in the chapter, uh, some of the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, they also recognize Jesus, but not for his intrinsic worth. They're actually more impressed with his knowledge and his understanding. So I'm going to argue that it's in this chapter, it's only the lowly who really recognize how wonderful and valuable Jesus is. And here's what this means for us. If I can't accept how small I actually am in the scale of the universe, if I don't cultivate that kind of humble spirit, a lowly spirit that says, you know what, I'm in desperate need of God, I'm in desperate need of help, I'm looking for something from the Lord, until I reach that place, I'm never going to, to accept or appreciate how grand Jesus really is. I've got to cultivate the spirit of a shepherd, just a lowly, regular old guy, nothing special. As a matter of fact, some people may not even think much of me at all. I've got to cultivate the kind of spirit of that old guy that everybody's going to overlook, that you know his time's almost over anyways, not important, not a big deal like Simeon. I've got to be somebody that's so devoted to God that I'm willing to humble myself through fasting and prayer and even look a little strange at running around trying to tell people about Jesus. That's the kind of spirit that I've got to cultivate like Anna if I'm going to recognize how big of a deal Jesus really is. But the second thing I'll say is not only do I need to learn to appreciate how big of a deal Jesus is, but whenever I'm reading in Scripture or whenever I see in other people how valuable Jesus is to them, I need to learn to have the reaction that Mary, Jesus' mother, had. In verse 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. Again, at the end, after Jesus has a conversation with his parents, in verse 51, it says, He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. I shouldn't just see something cool about Jesus be impressed with it for a few minutes, and then go about my day. I shouldn't just listen to what other people say or what the scriptures have to say about how important Jesus is and then keep living my life and not let it change me. I've got to learn every day to treasure up the truths about Jesus, to ponder down to the depths of my heart just how big of a deal he really is.